Good evening. Good evening. I hope you're all doing well tonight. Um, tonight we're back in Exodus, and it's page 40 in the Pew Bibles. Um, for It's just the book after Genesis, and we're in, in chapter 16. So I'm just going to pray before um, we get into it. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, that we can come and we can study your word, that we can listen to your voice, uh, that you can talk to us uh, and draw us closer to you uh, and draw us into the likeness um, of Jesus through your word and through your spirit, Lord. So, Father, I just pray that you would take away any of my words and help me communicate clearly um, Jesus and what you would have me uh, share from his word, from your word. I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, just a little recap to get going. Um, we're in Exodus. Quite a lot of exciting things have happened to this point. And I just want to share about those very, very briefly. Um, God has heard the cry of his people. Um, his people have been in 40 years in Egypt, or uh, 430 years, much longer than 40 years. They, they've been in Egypt, and uh, they went in, and they were a blessing to the people at a time. But soon they became a threat to them. They were seen as uh, dangerous. And at that point, uh, the, the pharaoh of the time committed a terrible thing against his people, against God's people. And he, he killed all the baby boys under the age of two or three and God, and, and before that, the, the people were enslaved in Egypt. They were, I, I can't imagine what slavery's like. I've, I, I've never seen anybody who's been a slave. But every day being in bondage, every day being trapped in a situation that you can't get out of. And God heard the cries of his people who were stuck and trapped in their situation. And he heard their cries, and he had to go, and he went, and he wanted to rescue them, and he, he did. But it wasn't just one knockout punch. God had to go. He didn't have to go. He went ten rounds with Pharaoh, judging the gods of Egypt. Each one he knocked out. Boom. Whatever was holding them back, boom, he knocked them out. And finally, Pharaoh's heart, after all that God had shown him, all the power and all the greatness of God that he showed Pharaoh, Pharaoh finally said that he'd let the people go. So he let the people go, but it wasn't long before Pharaoh's heart changed because Pharaoh's heart was always hard. And the crack that, that, that let him lead the people away, and let the people go, um, soon hardened up again. So he pursued God's people, and God was leading his people. He was leading the people to the Red Sea, to a place where, to the people, it seemed like they were maybe trapped. And Pharaoh's army were coming in behind them. But God had a plan all along to rescue his people, not just from bondage, but also from the possible imminent death that Pharaoh was coming with his army behind them. 
And at that point, God was with them. He was with them in the cloud by day, and he was with them in the fiery pillar at night as well. He was always with them, and he was always there protecting them in all the circumstances that they were in. And Pharaoh was coming after them. And what seemed like hopeless, God provided a way. Moses raised his staff, and the people were able to go through the sea. God gave the way through a hopeless situation on dry land. It wasn't even waiting in puddles or fish or anything. He made a path straight for them out of a terrible situation. And then he took out of the picture the villain in this story. He took out Pharaoh and his army in the sea. And the people got to the other side. And last week, we were hearing about the song that they sung as God had led them out. And God, I'm sure whenever he heard the song, this was the first song that's recorded in the Bible. I'm sure God was really, really excited to hear the song that these people were singing. And they were singing about God being their strength, him being their, their song, and he was their salvation. The people were beginning to recognize this God who before Moses and the people only knew God really as the God of their forefathers, but God really wanted to know these people. God gave Moses a name for himself. He wants to know these people. He wants to, he, he's rescued them from this situation. And now they're singing this song and the, the people are beginning to know God. And in the song, the first time in the Bible, um, Rain is mentioned, the rain of God is mentioned for the first time in that song. So the people are realizing that God is a king and God has rule and authority in their lives. But it's not all, there's also another concept in the song that's the first time, and that's redeemed, that God is a redeemer and a rescuer. God is king and God is savior. God is our Lord and savior. And the people were singing about this in the song. So after they finished the song. It was just three days. Three days they were heading off. They sang the song. The horse and the rider are thrown in the sea and Pharaoh has gone and God's mighty hand has led them out. But three days. Second day they were maybe humming it. Third day. By the third day had come they were a bit thirsty and they had maybe begun to dwindle and, and they start Rightly so, they're very thirsty in the desert. Pastor Steve was sharing about three days in the desert, in the wilderness. You know, you start running out of water. It's a very serious thing. Um, But they had kind of forgotten about God's greatness, and and they started to grumble um, about something that they really needed. So whenever circumstances were getting hard for them, whenever there was maybe calamity going to happen, the people, you know, forgot a bit about God. And, and sometimes that can be like us. Whenever calamity comes, we can begin to forget about God. We can go, where's God in this? Because it's all gone a bit pear-shaped. It's not the way we expected it to be. But God, after arriving at Mara, uh, God turned their bitter situation, um, the bitter water, into sweet water. God provided for them a, a, again. Um, and then... They went on to one more place. After Mara, they ended up in the Elam. 
um, after traveling with God. And that's where they sort of ended last week um, in chapter 15, uh, 27. Then they came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms and they camped beside the waters. That's where they were last week. That's how far they've come. So now, um, in verse 1, in chapter 16, Then they set out from Elam, and all the congregation and the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin. Now, Sin here is not Sin as we think of Sin. This is an abbreviation for Sinai, but in the, so, um, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Israel, so Elam was a really nice, comfortable place that they found themselves. Twelve springs, sounds pretty nice, trees, some shade. And I, I think there was something here that the people did really well. They were willing to leave their comfort and to go on with God to where God was leading them in the cloud and in the fiery pillar by night, because God was leading them. But they were willing to give up their comfort to follow God. And there's something in that for us. We need to be willing to follow God, no matter what the circumstances. And comfort can be a big test for us. Um, We need to be willing to follow wherever God leads. Um, Jade, who's, who's... who most of you know, who I'm married to. Um, God's led us to different places, and it hasn't always been easy. He led us from Northern Ireland, where we had friends and church and family and jobs, and we were established, and he led us to Montana. And then from Montana, after a couple of years, he, he led us to Guatemala. And it was hard to leave Montana to go to Guatemala. Uh, and then from Guatemala back to Montana, and and that was hard as well. Um, But we have to be willing to go where God is calling us and where God's directing us, and it's not always easy. Um, But we can't just rest. We can't just have a a Lion King mentality, uh, just akuna metawa. for the rest of our lives and just settle down for maybe something that God doesn't have for us. Um, We have to be willing to move where God wants us to move. He wants us to move deeper into Jesus and take the challenges that Jesus has for us in our lives. So it was just 45 days on. They're in a new situation. They've moved from a kingdom where Pharaoh had them by the neck, where Pharaoh had them in chains, and they were now in this new reign of God, and it's all new to them, and, and it's, it's interesting that they, they have one experience, and all those things, all the baggage of the past, whatever number of years they've been alive in Egypt, and they've just come out, and it's only 45 days and things are new. And God's done those wonderful things. You know, he's, he's, he's done those judgments on Egypt. And he set them free. And he opened the sea. And he turned the water uh, 
sweet and he, he's, he's God's doing all these things for them and the people you know in all extents they don't really necessarily deserve any of that because they're just you know they're people and they haven't done anything in particular for God um, and he's chosen them and he's chosen to rescue them and now they, they're, they're traveling in the desert um, and things are, 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 are getting a little bit tough for them again. So in chapter or verse 2, the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumble against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the sons of Israel say to them, so this is what the, the people are saying to Moses and Aaron, would it be that I die at the Lord's hands in the land of Egypt when we ate, when we sat by the pots of meat and we ate the bread to the full? Mmm, bread. Um, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill us and the whole assembly with hunger. It, it's, it's a real thing. They're, they're being out of Egypt for 45 days. Their supplies are maybe running low. And their response to their low supply is, ah, I, you know, I'm going, I, I'm going to die. It's over, you know. Uh, the, but at the same time, as it being, there's a million of them, and a million of them are going at this to Moses and Aaron, that's, you know, my kids, whenever uh, we, we leave the house, we get in the car, my children like to say to me, I'm hungry, Daddy. <laughs> Joel says to me, I'm hungry. <laughs> Hannah then chimes in, I'm hungry. And um, we're prepared for this. We know, we know this is going to happen as soon as we leave the house. And we, we just left a refrigerator um, back in the house. So we, we've got our applesauce and our granola bar and all the things that we need because we're parents. And we know that our kids are going to ask us for things. So we try and get them to ask us, Daddy, can I have something to eat? Daddy, please, can I have something to eat? Daddy, rather than just, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And that's what the, that's what these, the, the, the people's response was. But I don't know, I'm really glad that Hannah and Joel don't turn around to me and say, I'm hungry, did you take us out to the car so that we'd all die of starvation? Um, God knew that they were going to have this need. And he's a good father, and, and he had his response. His, his, his response is really good, as we'll see. Um, but so there's this sort of test of calamity. Whenever things are going really hard, we need to be able to ask God. We need to come to him and be able to ask him for things we need. And in, in James... James 1, and also in chapter 4 of James. James gives some good advice. 
um, whenever trials come. So I'm going to read from James. To the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all graciously, generously, and without reproach. Here we see that we can come to God and ask whenever we need wisdom in in circumstances. And in in chapter 4, James also addresses this issue of asking God. And we can ask him for things that we need. And these people needed food. They needed basic things. And they could have come to him and asked. So this is God's response. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go... Okay, God's saying raining bread from heaven, and that's kind of crazy concept, but that's what he's going to do. Um, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instructions. God is so gracious to them. He's going to give them bread. He's going to give them not just ordinary bread, but bread from heaven. It's supernatural bread. It's not... I can't... um, Montana's healthiest white bread or whatever, or brown bread or wheat bread or whatever you go to uh, Super One or Safeway to get. It's really, really good bread. It's the best bread. Um, so on the sixth day when they prepare what they bring in so on the sixth day when they prepare what they bring in it will be twice as much as they get other daily so every day there's provision there's bread every day that God's going to provide them and then on the sixth day he's going to give them double hasn't quite explained what he's going to do with the double portion on the sixth day, but he's going to give them enough for seven days and six days. Uh, So every day God's going to provide for them in those six days. And it's just uh, um, amazing. So anyway, in Psalm 78, um, the psalmist talks about how amazing this is, and I'm going to use his words. I I can't describe how amazing this bread is. Um, Yet he commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven and rained down manna upon them to eat, to give them food from heaven. Men did eat bread of angels and sent them food in abundance. God was being so, so good to them, rescuing them, now providing for them. And every day, regardless of their grumbling, God was good to them. And they did grumble. They grumbled 
six times in the book of Exodus. And also, there's also in Numbers one other grumble that's not recorded in Exodus. So they had seven grumbles, and this is their fourth grumble. This is their grumble about food. Their first grumble was in Egypt, whenever God was planning to rescue them. And he sa- they, they said, look, just leave us be. Just leave us here. You're making things really hard for us. The Pharaoh... We're odious to Pharaoh, whatever odious is. But, you know, God was making things really, really difficult for them. Not really. God was going to rescue them. Pharaoh was making things difficult for them. And they, again, have this depressed view of things that you've put a sword in Pharaoh's hand to kill us. They, They really weren't, you know, keen on... They, they, they were struggling, they were grumbling. And then at the Red Sea, they were grumbling as well. At the Red Sea, they were grumbling. And they have, they, they, are there no graves in Egypt? Have you brought us out here to the wilderness to kill us? They grumbled at the bitter water. What shall we drink? What, what shall we drink? And now they were grumbling, have you brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children uh, with hunger? The whole assembly. Later on, they complain about water again. And then they grumble about God's provision. God says that he's going to give them manna in the morning and then he's going to give them quail in the evening. And later on in Numbers, they complain that they want meat they want more meat than God is giving them. They're not content with what they've been given. And they complain like this. Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we used to eat free in Egypt. And cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. But now our appetite is gone. There is nothing at all to look at except for manna. They're grumbling at what God is giving them. They're not content with what God has given them. It's important to be content in the situations that God brings us to. God is providing for us in all our circumstances. It might be hard, But God hears our grumbles and he's so gracious to us. He gave this group of people manna for 40 years. He provided for them for 40 years and loved them regardless of these grumbles. But it's important to learn from it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writes, um, he, he, he writes, Sorry, I'll just look it up. If I can find it. He writes that these are examples for us. That these things are examples. These things happen to them 
as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the age has come. So if you think you stand firm, be careful that you don't fall. Paul's reminding us that these stories, this history of these people could end up being like our history and it's a warning for us not to grumble about what is God is doing. So let me read on. So Moses and Aaron and this said to all the sons of Israel, At evening you will know the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord. For he has heard your grumbles against the Lord. And what are we that you grumble against us? Moses said, This will happen when the Lord gives you meat in the evening and bread to the full in the morning. For the Lord hears your grumbles, which you grumble against him. And what are we? You grumble, grumbles are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbles. So the Lord knows whenever we have needs. He knows whenever we're grumbling. And sometimes we don't even grumble against God and we don't realize that we're grumbling because we're just, you know, talking about whoever's like my children, they talk about me in a grumbly way. Uh, or it could be talking about a teacher in a grumbly way or a leader in a grumbly way or someone who God has placed in your life to give you direction and to help you and to lead you. Moses and Aaron were only there to help the people, but the people didn't see it that way. Moses and Aaron knew that they, they weren't in charge of the show. They were following the cloud, listening to what God had said to them and leading the people in the direction that he was leading them. And it's important uh, maybe not to take people's grumbles personally, because their grumbles maybe aren't actually against you, but they're actually grumbling against God. So there's all, all God is so gracious to them, even though they grumble, and He's gracious to us whenever we grumble, whenever we grumble, whenever calamity comes, whenever we grumble, when we're dissatisfied, when we're not content, God hears. Our, 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 our grumbles. Um, in Nehemiah, he talks about this as well, uh, about what God is like, and it's important for us to remember what God is like. For in your great compassion, he did not forsake them in the wilderness. This is Nehemiah nine nineteen to 21. Because of his great compassion, he didn't forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not leave them by day to guide them on their way, nor the pillar of fire by night to light the way. 
in which they should go. And you give your good spirit to instruct them. Your manna you did not withhold from their mouths. And you gave them water for their thirst. Indeed, 40 years you provided for them in the wilderness. And they were not in want. Their clothes did not wear out, nor their feet swell. That's amazing. These people, they have this problem, this this old mentality of complaining and grumbling. But God is just so gracious to them constantly. Um, And that's... I'm so thankful for, for that. I'm so thankful that God is constantly gracious and merciful, even whenever things are hard and even whenever we're not being faithful to him. He's faithful to us. Pastor Steve last week was sharing as well that uh, it was taking a long time to get Egypt out of them. Um, And it only took one day for God to take them out of Egypt. But it was taking 40 years to get Egypt out of them. That's like us. That's like sin and flesh in our lives. Um, We have this fight continually uh, to walk the way God would want us to. And it's going to take a lifetime for God to sanctify us. We've all been saved if we've trusted, if we've trusted Jesus. We've all been rescued, but it's going to take a lifetime for us to be perfect. And I can't wait. I can't wait until Jesus either comes or I pop my clogs whenever I'm no longer here and I'm with Jesus and things are perfect. It's hard here. It's hard for these people as well. It's hard. But God is with us. He was with them. He was guiding them in the cloud. He was providing them food and providing them water. He provides our needs as well. Verse 10. It came about that Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the sons of Israel that they looked towards the wilderness and behold the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. I don't know what that might have looked like. Um, The same thing or something similar happened whenever the Egyptians were behind them at the Red Sea. The glory of the Lord appeared to the Egyptians. And I think God showed up to show that he was still with them, that he still cared, that he had heard them, and he wanted them to know that he's with them. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbles of the sons of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. God gave them just what they asked for. 
At the start, they were looking for food. They were looking for bread. They were thinking about the meat pots. And God gave them exactly what they had asked for. He was going to give them exactly what they asked for. And God sometimes gives us exactly what we ask for whenever we need it. and sometimes that's a really good thing and sometimes that can be a really bad thing as well because sometimes what we ask for isn't what God wants us to have like the meat that the Israelites were asking for they asked for meat, they weren't content and God gave them over to what they wanted and he gave them a plague of quail he gave them so much quail, it describes it as it was coming out their nostrils. It's crazy. For a whole month, they got what they asked for, but it wasn't what God wanted for them. It was just what they wanted for. So we have to be careful what we ask for as well. Um, and thankfully, God doesn't always give us what we ask for as well. Um, but sometimes he does. He knows what's best. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of, all, of it every man as much as he should eat. You shall take a number, a piece according to the size, the number of persons each of you have in your tent. The sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much and some gathered little. When they measured it with a number, He who had gathered much had no excess, and he who had gathered little had nothing lacking. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. This is amazing. Again, this is pretty amazing that they went out, and if you were really, really, I'm I'm getting a lot, I've got a lot. Look how much I've got. Yeah, I've got a number, whatever a number is. And then someone else gathers... And they seemed to have not enough. They had enough. And they didn't have too much. God's provision was, again, exactly what they needed. And I, I, I don't know how that works. Um, because I prep stuff in Mudman during the day. And whenever I need to prep stuff, I have whatever, you know. Sometimes there's too much. There's too many onions I've chopped. Um, they don't fit in the container. Sometimes I have to go back and get more onions, you know. But this was just always the right amount, just the right weight. And it just speaks of God's perfectness and his perfect provision that everybody would have enough and that everybody would have the same. Moses said to them, let no man leave any until morning so they were to gather it but they weren't to leave it till morning they were to take what they needed each day and use it and it's the same with God's word we need to take God's word each day and use what he has given us each day. We can't leave it for a day. We need to 
be in it each day and take the provision that he has for us in it. Um, It won't do to leave it. If God's asked you to do something and you leave it, it mightn't turn out good. So, but they did not listen to Moses, and some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms, and it became foul, and Moses was angry with them. I don't know why they decided not to just eat, because it was just the perfect portion, but they didn't. They didn't take what God had given them. They maybe left it to the side. Maybe they were thinking, God's not going to provide for me tomorrow. Um, they were slaves, if you can remember, for such a long time. And they're only out of slavery for 45 days. And they're thinking, back in Egypt, um, I had to hold on to stuff and I had to you know, keep a little bit to the side just in case, just in case we don't get any food today. Uh, um, God wanted them to use what he had given them that day for that day and not to try and keep a little something, something aside for themselves. He didn't want them to try and store up things for themselves. He wanted them to use what he had provided for them when he had provided it for them. Um, They were to gather it morning by morning, every man as much as he should eat. But when the sun grew hot, it would melt. Morning by morning, this need to gather bread in the morning, uh, to spend time getting what they needed for the day in the morning. And that's the same for us. This, this bread is similar to the Word, the written Word and the living Word in Jesus. Um, we need to, each morning, spend time in the Word, gathering what God has for us, and spending time with Jesus. Because by the time the day goes by, you know, those words begin to melt away, and then we need to start afresh the next day. We need that every day. And God provides it every day. Every day we can come to him afresh and be filled. And they were filled with bread to the full. Then on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. When all the leaders of the congregation came to Moses, then he said to them, This is what the Lord meant today, tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will and boil what you will, and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. This is the first mention of Sabbath in the Bible. And it's something that he was going to test the people in. He, he wanted them to keep this day. He had provided for it. He had provided for it in the other six days. He had provided it for it on the sixth day that they didn't need to go and do their labor, their work. 
he wanted them to have this day of rest. If you can remember where they just came from, they just came from Egypt. There probably was no provision for any rest any of the time, but God seen it important enough to provide them this time, this day where they could rest, where they didn't have to labor. He'd moved them out of the world into his kingdom where there's care, there's things that they need. And the fuller commandment God gives them later on in Exodus 20, verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you should labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you should do, should not do any work. You, your sons or your daughters, your male or your female servants, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. What's a sojourner? Um, for the six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all the things in them, the re- and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So here we see God looking back at creation, and He had a day that he stopped and enjoyed what he had been doing. And the day was to be a day of enjoyment. And I just want to look at some of the verses in the New Testament that talk about Sabbath as well. Because it's an important thing that God established 45 days into the new kingdom with his people. And he then expands on it 90 days into it. So in Colossians, Paul um, talks about the Sabbath and he says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding festivals or new moon, new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come because the substance is Christ. Here, Paul's writing about Sabbaths, and he's saying that it's not to be a legalistic thing. It's not to be something that we judge one another on. It's something different from that, because that's what the Pharisees were big into. The Pharisees really had a hard time with Jesus and the Sabbath. And Jesus, to all extent and purposes, wasn't doing it right He wasn't doing it the way they expected him to because they thought that everything was work and everything was labor. But Jesus was very blunt with them that it's important that we do good on the Sabbath. They wanted to kill him because of what he was doing on the Sabbath because he was doing good. He healed the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath And he said that he was doing good. The Pharisees came at him whenever the guy got off the mat. And he told them, the guy, to get the mat and go. And they were like, what? He's got the mat up. 
He's, he's working. That's crazy. Jesus addresses the legalism of the Sabbath as well. So the Sabbath wasn't meant to be something legalistic. Um, as a child growing up back in the 80s in Northern Ireland, I really struggled with Sabbath. I wasn't allowed to play football on the Sabbath. I wasn't allowed to play with guns on the Sabbath. The Sabbath for me was miserable. Um, I couldn't do anything. And God gave it for us for freedom. He had freed the slaves. He wanted to free them from bondage. And he wanted to give them this gift. And Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the one who the Sabbath is about. He's the one who we can celebrate and enjoy on the Sabbath. And it's a gift, just the way our salvation is a gift from Jesus. And we can remember our creator and what he's done for us. So Jesus corrects and addresses the Sabbath, what it had become. At the heart of the Sabbath, it's a gift from God. And it's freedom. It's freedom from bondage. And it's freedom that we can spend doing good and what God wants us to do on the Sabbath. And it's something that we should be grateful for and remember what God did in creation and what he's done in redemption. So verse 24, so they put aside until morning as Moses had ordered and, and it did not become foul, nor were there any worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the fields. So this amazing manna, again, normally it wouldn't keep. But whenever they gathered it on the sixth day, it was special. It would keep, it would last to the next day. So that they didn't have to go out and do their mundane task of picking up manna. So they had this other day, which was going to be special. And that's again, really great of God to do that, so that every day is not the same. There are special days, there are special things to remember. Um, If every day I... Yeah, if every day I did the same thing with Jade, I come home from work, I give her a kiss, what's for dinner? That's a really beautiful dinner you've laid out before me. Thank you very much, Jade. That's great. Let's put the kids to bed. Okay, we've got an hour. We can talk to each other for an hour. Yeah, how was your day? You had a good day. I, I, could, I could, you know, have a relationship with Jade and just love on her the same every day. But there's opportunities to have special days where we can go a little bit deeper on that day. We have freedom to do that. We've got freedom to rest together and 
That's what God wants. God wants there to be distinction, not everything the same. God is a God of unity, but he's also a God of diversity. He holds everything together. He's not a mundane God. He wants things to be special, so he gives this special day. So, um, verse 26. Six days you shall gather it, and on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. So, this is his plan. 27. It came about on the seventh day, some people went out to gather, but found none. What? He's, he's given them instructions, and... There's some people who just aren't happy with what they've got. So they decide to go out again and look for stuff because they're not content with what God's given them. They want a little bit more. Maybe they're workaholics and they just want to go out and get a little bit more. Maybe they're a wee bit, I, I don't know, a wee bit greedy. But they're, they're just after manna. They're after more stuff, um, more stuff to eat. And I have a little story that maybe speaks to this. Um, it's about uh, a fisherman in, in, in Ireland who lives in a little fishing village. And he goes fishing and he's got a little fishing boat and he's got a wee family. And, uh, you know, it's a good thing. So he goes out in the morning on his boat and he comes back and he's sitting on the beach and he's got on the beach, his boat and his catch from the day, and all, all of a sudden comes along, because it's a nice touristy place, there's some big wigs from the city, so there's this businessman from the city, from Belfast or Dublin, and he goes down to this wee port of Ogie or port of Ferry, or port Ballantrae or port Rush, that's where I'm from, or anyway, he goes down to this little port, and this fisherman's sitting, and he's, you know, looking at his fish and the businessman goes to him wow that's a pretty good catch how long did it take you to catch those and the guy went I went out this morning and I got these and uh, it's pretty good isn't it and the businessman went yeah that's pretty good Um, do you not ever think about going out and getting some more fish and the guy goes this is this is what I need for my family um and the, the the fisherman seemed to be pretty happy. And the businessman said to him, you know what? I can make you really successful. Um, all you need to do is a f- couple of different things. And the fisherman said, well, it just takes me a few hours to go out and do this. Or, you know, in the morning I go out and I do this. I get this for my family. And then I can, you know, I can spend time playing with my kids and then in the afternoon, I spend a little bit of time reading with my wife, and we have a bit of banter, and it's pretty good. And then in the evening, I go to my friends, and I spend some time with them, and we, we play some games and stuff. It's pretty good. But the businessman goes, no, I can make you really successful, seriously. And the businessman, the fisherman goes, okay, what should I do to be successful? And the, the, the fisher, fisherman's all ears, he's ready to listen to this businessman who's going to make him really successful. 
So the businessman says to him, well, first of all, this is good, but I go out a wee bit earlier. I go out fishing, you know, a little bit earlier, stay out a little bit later, you know, you'll catch more fish. And the, the, the fisherman goes, okay, okay, then what would it do? Uh, well, once you've caught these more fish, you'll be able to go and invest in a bigger motor for your boat. You'll be able to go out further, go out further, be able to get more fish, bigger fish, if you go out a wee bit further. So the fisherman goes, okay, that, that's, that's okay, what's, what's next, bigger motor? Um, and then the, the, the businessman said, well, once you're able to go out further, you'll be able to catch bigger fish and you'll be able to afford a bigger boat. So you can go out and you can get a bigger boat and that's great. And the fisherman goes, okay, what's next? What do I do once I get the bigger boat? And the businessman goes, well, you have a bigger boat. You'll be able to get more fish, more money. You'll be able to get two boats and employ some people. Um, so, okay, great, great. So I'm able to go out, big boat, another big boat, go out, fish, long, get lots of fish. Um, great, well, what do I have to do next to be more successful? And he said, well, you'll need a head office. You'll need to get a big office up in the big city and go, you know, one of those big corporate offices um, with your boats uh, out fishing, you spending time out at the head office. The fisherman goes, okay, so great, boats, big office, sounds good. What else is that? is that it? And he goes, no, we're getting to the best part. We'll be able to float it on the stock market. You'll make a bomb and you'll do great. And then you'll be really successful. And the fisherman goes, okay, that's really great. And, and then what do I do? Um, um, uh, the guy goes, I know what you can do. Um, you can retire somewhere, maybe in a little fishing village like this. Um, Maybe you can go out fishing just in the morning, just catch a few fish. Um, you can maybe play with your kids in the morning. Um, then you can uh, spend some time with your wife. Then play those games with your friends. And the fisherman looked at him and... That's what I'm doing. The fisherman was content in what he was doing. He didn't need more and more stuff to have what he needed and we need to be content with what God has given us uh, and be thankful for what God's given us we need to take the examples in Exodus of the people who aren't satisfied with what God has provided for them and be satisfied with what God has given us Verse 28. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. Remain every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. God wanted the people to rest, to have a different day. The house of Israel 
named it manna. And it was like coriander seed, white, and it tasted like wafers and honey. God's provision was good. It, it tasted like wafers and honey. I can't imagine what that... I wonder, yeah, we'll probably maybe have manna in heaven, and that will be really great. I can't wait to get some of this manna. <laughs> then Moses said... This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an offer be kept through the generations that you may see the bread that fed, that I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an offer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout the generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. God wanted the people to always remember what he had provided for them. And we need to remember what God has provided for us. The bread of life that God has provided for us in Jesus In John's Gospel, in in chapter 6, Jesus addresses the Pharisees who didn't even see that it was God who provided for them. They saw that Moses provided for them. But it was really the Father who provided for them. And we need to see that Jesus provides for us. It's not just the labor of our own hands. But, but it's his provision for us. And we have testimony of his provision, of how he's been good to us. And we need to store those things away, those testimonies where God has provided whenever we haven't expected it or whenever we've asked him and he's provided for us. We need to put those things away. We can journal those things. We can make memorials of whenever God has been good to us so that we can share those things with other people. My grandfather was a a pastor, a lay pastor, and there was one Sunday whenever he was at church and it was time for him uh, to, to, to share and he, he didn't have a shirt for that Sunday. And God provided for him. He, I, think, I think it was time for a tithe. It was a story that my mother told me. It was time for tithe, putting what was first to, to God. And my grandfather put away his tithe. He, he did that. And he didn't have money for a shirt. And he was going to be speaking that Sunday. But God provided for him. There was someone in the neighborhood who came and had a shirt. Exactly what he needed. And God provided exactly what he needed. And he did what God had asked him to. And that was a a story that my mom told me. To remind me of God's provision and his faithfulness. And we as families and as a church have stories of how God has provided for us 
in, in, in our lives. And it's important to remember those things and hold on to those things and not forget. So in Exodus 16, we see God's faithfulness again and again to the people. He gave them what they needed. They needed bread and they needed meat. They needed sustenance and he provided that for them. They also needed rest. They also needed time with him. Time that was free. Free for him, free to do good to one another in their families, in their tents. And he provides for us in the same way. He provides all our needs. And we need to remember that. And we also need to remember that we don't always need to strive. We can be content with what he's given us and rest in what he's given us and spend time with him. Because that's what he really wants. He wants to know us just the way he wanted to know those people. So, we're nearly finished. There was one or two more verses. That I nearly forgot about. The sons of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the borders of the land of Canaan. They ate the food for 40 years. And then, now Anomer is a tenth of an ephod. Amen. Amen.